Thank you to 12th Street Sound for sponsoring today's episode. If you're an artist and you want your next recordings to stand up to the best of the best, you need to learn more about 12th Street Sound, a recording studio in my home city, New Westminster, BC. 12th Street provides the value and bang for your buck that you can only get from a boutique studio. That's why I keep choosing Anthony Senarini at 12th Street Sound as my recording and mix engineer for my own music, released as William Chernoff. Anthony and the team are collectors and restoration specialists obsessed with music and recording equipment. When I go into the studio, I get more than just great service. I get the space to craft my story as an artist. You deserve the same as you work on your new music for 2022. Whether you need pre-production, tracking, mixing, or full production services, check out 12th Street Sound today and tell Anthony about your next project. Learn more at 12thstreet.ca. That's 12thst.ca. feeling the urge to overcomplicate something just because you want it to be more interesting or you want it to have some type of cachet. I think I got lost in that because of my jazz training. And while I think that that's really valuable, I think that sometimes you lose the genuineness that can come out of a really simple melody or a simple arrangement. And sometimes that just speaks for itself. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Will Chernoff and you're listening to the Rhythm Changes podcast, a home for creative, improvising, local music people. With Rhythm Changes, we're striving to make the best possible interview show about a music scene. So if you're joining us for the first time, whether from Vancouver, BC, elsewhere in Canada or across the world, get involved today with a visit to our website, rhythmchanges.ca. Our guest today released her first solo EP, Adult Skin, under the name LX Talks on January 19th, 2022. You can find her on Instagram at lx.tox and find her music on streaming platforms as lxtox. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Alex Scott. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. I'm glad we were able to stay a little bit cozier as we roll out of the winter recording sessions here for the show. I know. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't get stranded on the bus over to your studio. (laughs) Yeah, you must shake your head being from Saskatchewan at how people handle that stuff here. Yes, it does feel a little bit absurd, but I know that the weather is, I mean, the typical thing. It's a dry cold there, so it doesn't it doesn't quite freeze over the way that it does here. So it is pretty treacherous out there right now. <laughs> I want to ask about how you wrote the four songs that ended up on this EP. I understand that you write a lot of these songs with you sitting at the piano and singing, and that does carry through into how they end up sounding on the final masters. But for example, on Meet Me Downtown, you do have a guitar that comes in mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So I know this is a collaboration between you and Josh Eastman, who is a producer at a place called Helm Studios here. And I know that you two played all the instruments that you end up hearing on this. So do you play guitar as well? Or is it all piano for you in the writing and laying it down? So in this, uh, in that batch of songs, I wrote all of it on the piano. It's kind of a toss up, you know, what I'm writing on piano, what I'm writing on guitar just happened to be that I was going through a piano phase. And Josh does play guitar, the acoustic guitar in that track. Yeah. 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 So all the tracks have a really consistently moody 
groove and feeling, I would say. They have a very consistent、mm-hmm. tempo, too, that they roll along at. And it almost feels like it's something that would really translate to what you do live. Like I could just imagine you sitting down at a venue live and playing through that whole thing and rendering it really authentically. And I know that you performed a couple months ago. At the second floor of Gastown. So, how similar、mm-hmm. was that to what we hear on your Adult Skin EP now? That's an interesting observation. I hadn't really thought of that before, but I was definitely tempted to play it just top to bottom. I didn't end up doing that exactly, but yeah, Adult Skin and then that interlude that comes right after、uh, Can't Wait by the Phone, those I do play back to back, no break. It was interesting trying to. Reimagine the songs and recreate them live since we did essentially. I, I come to Josh with basically a skeleton of a song and then we build it out. I know how they sound, but you know, it's not my keyboard that we use in the studio, we use his gear. So, having to find similar sounds on my own keyboard. Is a bit of a a bit of a process. I, I bought a different keyboard as well, so figuring that out. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was it was a different experience for me. That's an interesting point you make about how when you're writing the songs, you got to come up with some rendition of yours on your keyboard that can help you when you end up getting into the studio. When I wonder about that, I think first about the bass, I guess, because I mean, one of the things that makes Adult Skin the track. Stand out is that it has this prominent, kind of lively bass guitar in、mm-hmm. the first part of it. And that seems like a production thing that you end up adding to the track to really kind of take it to the next level. But like it also has synth bass, and there's synth bass and synth pads on a few of the tracks. So, how close do you get to those when you're writing the songs? And how much do you just discover them when you get to the studio with Josh? Almost all of it,、um, especially for bass lines, is composed by Josh, really. Luckily, when I was performing them, I did have a, a couple musicians with me. So Thomas Holler was playing, and he very graciously just learned the part. You're, you're totally right. That's like a pretty key part of that tune. It wouldn't really sound right without it at this point. Yeah, it's one of my favorite moments, is just where that, I mean, I'm biased as a bass player, but where that bass sits, it really is, it really is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my favorite lyric, I think, comes from Adult Skin as well. The line in that song that stuck with me is It's our responsibility to hold our own heart when it feels absurd. So, how did、oh. you come up with that? Oh, that's, I'm glad you liked that.、Um, that was one of those lines where I was unsure of like, being so frank, I guess. I was、uh, online dating for the first time. And that line is really about just sort of holding your own when you're putting yourself out there. Obviously, it feels very vulnerable to be opening up to new people, particularly during the lockdown in the winter. And so, most of the conversations that I, and connections that I was having were all online, on my phone, talking on the phone, texting. Yeah, there's just a lot of inherent rejection in dating in general, regardless of when you, when you do it. So it really is just about, I guess, like nurturing yourself or holding, holding your own heart, like not letting your value or validation be swayed. 
yeah, it's a super relevant line to a lot of things in a lot of situations because it's one of those great kind of love lyrics that also extends to other pursuits because like there's a lot of vulnerability just in making and releasing music, for example, so right? And much. it translates there too. Totally, yeah. Like performing is that, you know? Yeah. I'm curious now that you mentioned performing about what your standout memories and experiences are from the last however many years, wherever you want to draw the boundaries and in whichever city in the Metro Vancouver area or in Saskatoon or mm. at Selkirk College where you started out your music journey after high school. Like as a performer, which experiences have shaped you the most? Yeah, there's been so many iterations of like my identity as a performer. And I, I feel like one of the standout performance experiences was my my grad recital from Selkirk College because I did perform nearly all original music. I don't remember it super well at this point because I was 18. Was a couple years ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, but that was kind of my first experience, like really realizing my songs having a full band, having drums, bass, backup singers. So that that I think was was pretty pivotal. I guess fast forwarding, I was in a band in Saskatoon called the Northern Light. My friend Rory and I were kind of the front people. He was Rory played guitar and sang. I played keys, synth or guitar and sang. We had a drummer, we had a bass player, we had another singer, we had a trumpet player. We started performing really at open mic nights at this well-loved but um, no longer <laughs> in existence bar called Lydia's. Everyone loved Lydia's. Everyone went to Lydia's. Performing there was great. Performing at Vangeli's, which is now called Black Cat, I think. The main street where there's like a lot of venues is called Broadway. There's kind of three main places, Amigos, which is just a, a mainstay. And I know that Valor mentioned Amigos. Totally. And then the other one, which I knew as The Basement and then the Roxy and then the Fez, it's all the same place. It's just like the names change. You could just walk along Broadway and go to any of the three or four places. Oh, there's also the yard and there would be live music. It was really fun. Even though it's like really small community, it's super lively. You could play it pretty often and usually there's like guaranteed pay. And yeah, it was, it was a good vibe. Nice. And you recorded a self-titled EP with Northern Light, right? We did. Yeah. It was fun. We just did the one release, um, but yeah, it was it was a good time. That was sort of my first um, experience in a studio, like really working on working on songs. Yeah. yeah, and then you would have come to Capilano University's jazz program and to Metro Vancouver maybe mm -hmm. around 2014, 15. So those are mm -hmm. kind of the haunts that shaped you as a musician in Saskatoon. Would have been totally. your places since you got here. Yeah, that's that was one thing that I found to be kind of surprising about moving to Vancouver was I kind of expected it to feel like a big Saskatoon in a oh, way. Yeah. Like I not exactly, I guess I wasn't but I, I expected there to be more of those sort of mid sized venues that were relatively easy to play at and that like hosted a lot of local bands and had guaranteed pay and and all that and I found that to be harder to find in Vancouver mm. especially for groups that are just starting out it's a lot of a lot more like event spaces that you rent out and you pay for and you have to do all of the promotion for and get people to come out which is a lot more work for the artist 
Yeah. Uh, we played at the Gold Saucer quite a few times. Um, the Toast, Redgate Society. Yeah, smaller places like that. So you're wondering like, yeah, where are all those kind of places, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like the those kind of local bars that have relatively built-in audiences that bring in like the only one I can really think of off the top is Guilt and Co. that yeah. hosts like mid smaller to mid-size local groups. There's probably yeah. many more and I just need to get out more. Well, we gotta get you on stage at Guilt and Co. too. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> Yeah. And Guilt & Co. also welcomes plenty of things that are in the jazz sphere, too. Like, you don't mm -hmm. have to just play R&B pop to play there, even though that's what seems to roll, right? They're pretty open-minded about genre rock and fusion yeah. and stuff like that can all work there, too. Mm -hmm. Hopefully 2022 will be a year when we get to try some new things in that space. That's for sure. I hope so. Yeah. I noticed in uh, Fragile on the EP... That song has quite a decent bit of jazz in the harmony. Mm. <laughs> it's got nice. some adventurous got chords. Some flat you know? nines in there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not afraid to throw that in. And I, I appreciated that. Yeah. I feel like yeah, my jazz harmony comes out more when I'm playing piano for sure. Cause I'm a little bit more, I'm not, I'm definitely not a technical player on guitar at all. Mostly self-taught, but with piano, I do have more awareness of, the harmony that I'm using and more interesting, you know, chord tones and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Did you and Josh make an effort to like put in a lot of really great, like super low sounds? Because like some of the tracks have like a lot of sub bass, more than I was expecting for sure. I thought that was another cool thing. That's definitely Josh. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. That's a good kind of production style thing that I can pick up from him. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of the arrangements and the instrumentation, Josh, he was the main composer in that regard. And then I know just before we went on air here that you are still working on the music that's coming up next for you. So is that the same working relationship or is this a different project? Um, yeah, so uh, Josh and I are working on another new single. It was a tune that I wrote late September. We did a session... I think it was in November at some point. And then we had um, my friend Andrew Wilson come in and play drums. He was oh, yeah. the drummer for Fake Cascade. So yeah, that was great. It was super fun. We got a lot done. So I think I'll be ready to release that sooner rather than later. I can't say any date. And I also do have another forthcoming EP with Thomas Holler. And one of the tunes, Closeness, was picked up by the Mix by Mail project uh, that was put on by... Mary Jane Hi-Fi, local producers, they remixed the song, we redid the vocals, and then they mixed, and um, Elisa from CPS did the mastering on that track. Yeah, yeah, I miss Andrew. He's a good drummer, he's a good guy. I remember him from the CAP community. Yeah, he's great. It was so cool to have him come in. We didn't plan it at all. We were trying to decide if we were gonna do live drums or do program drums decided on live and then josh was like put you know plotting out some ideas he was like oh i wonder if jamie's around and jamie's in palm springs but then i was like oh maybe i'll just text andrew i knew he wasn't working yet as he starts teaching tomorrow and he just like happened to be free and decided to like brave the weather and drive from north van to uh josh's studio and yeah it was great he's he sounded awesome 
Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I'm really excited to share it. It's a little bit of a departure from Adult Skin in that there are more live instruments. Like there's live bass, live drums, live guitar. I wrote it on the piano and we're using an actual piano sound. We're not using a synth sound, but then there's other programmed instruments as well. So it'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Last question on the strictly music and releasing side. It can mm -hmm. sometimes be quite a challenging journey or a lonely journey to learn how to release music by yourself, you know? Very much. So you are doing that. How has that been going? What have you learned? I've learned so much that I still need to learn. Like I am aware of how many more things there are to do that I don't really know how to do yet. Today and yesterday, I was spending quite a bit of time pitching to radio stations. Right. So that was an adventure. That was cool. Creating like a, a Google Sheets document of all the stations that I'm pitching to and, and their requirements because most of them are pretty straightforward, pretty much the same, but some People want WeTransfer, some people want a download link, some people want Bandcamp, et cetera, et cetera. It's always like a little different. That's something that I feel like I didn't do a very good job with, um, with Fake Cascade. We only had one release and then a single. I didn't, you know, pitch to radio stations or try to get any reviews or anything like that. So that's something I'm trying, you know, making a concerted effort for this project, especially because we can't play live as easily. It's harder to get the word out. I, I think that what I've learned is taking the time to create a vision for what you want to put out there, essentially branding and marketing. I don't necessarily come by that mindset naturally. So that's taken me more, I've sort of found my way. I feel like I'm sort of like discovering it on the way as opposed to having that vision beforehand and executing. Yeah. And the visual side, you're working on that with Creo All, right? Yeah. Yeah. Creo and I have had a couple photo sessions together. We did one in my apartment and then one outside. So that was fun. And, and even that, like planning photo shoots, you know, having a vision, having the visuals in terms of the outfits, the location, all of that, it, it, it's really important and it affects the vibe. So that's another thing that I feel like we're doing a lot of experimenting and just seeing what's stuck. Some of my indoor shots ended up looking sort of like a lifestyle blogger, like maybe isn't the thing, but it's still fun <laughs> to just have options and just oh. play around with textures and colors and light. I love that you brought that up about the kitchen vibes because I know that you yourself have dabbled in blogging in the past. And I know that actually we're both vegans, which is a fun connection. And that I think we both became vegan in the same year even because I did in the fall of 2016. Yeah, I was, um, I've got two older sisters. They're half sisters. So we've got quite a big age gap. And they were vegetarian all throughout their teenagehood. And so from when I was like a little kid. And so I've always been sort of like aware of vegetarianism and veganism and like, had tofu and soy milk and stuff from a very young age. Um, so I think I was sort of primed. F and I, I, I tried going vegetarian as a kid. It probably lasted like three hours until I ate some chicken nuggets or something. But um, <laughs> And I was vegetarian for a few years in high school as well. So I think it was sort of me coming back to ideas that felt familiar and correct to me. That wasn't really even on my radar at the time. It was mostly, I was giving up um, dairy for skin stuff, just seeing if it if it would help with acne. And so I was like, well, if I'm giving up dairy and I don't really like eat a lot of meat anyway, I'll just try going vegan. And then it stuck, so. 
Yeah. And yeah. so when did you decide to start blogging recipes and stuff? Because that's something that you did too. Yeah, it's something that I find a little embarrassing now, but uh, <laughs> I would I I didn't find it embarrassing. <laughs> oh, thank you. And actually it it does tie back to cap because when I was in school, when I was in jazz school, I was finding it really challenging to compose for fun. My main creative outlet was music for my whole life and and then studying music I think because I was taking in a lot of information, I was sort of questioning my musical ability. And so it was stifling me with my own writing. And so I really poured that energy that I would have probably put into songwriting into food. And and since I was, you know, relatively newly vegan, I was discovering, I just got really excited about cooking in a way that I didn't feel excited previously. Like for some reason, it made me think differently about how to construct a meal and just demanded that I use different ingredients and and use different techniques. And so I was doing a lot of learning and I just wanted to share. I don't know why I'm a little embarrassed about it now. I think it's mostly because I, I sort of, it felt like kind of a naive time and I, and I have no qualification at all. You know, didn't do any culinary school. I'm, no, I'm not trained at all. It was just something that I wanted to do as a creative outlet, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't have to worry about that any longer. But can I tell you why I think it's awesome, though? I have two reasons in particular why I think it was an awesome thing for you to do. Yeah. Uh, One is that it attacks this classic kind of creative problem, you know, needing to pick a different outlet when you're stuck in one lane. You know, like that happens all the time with so many different Mm -hmm. creative pursuits. It's always really cool when somebody can use that to break out of a funk. The second thing is the magic of limitations, where sometimes Mm. the more limitations you give yourself, the further along you can get on a creative endeavor because limitations force you to be creative kind of thing. So the whole journey of eating a different way and figuring out how to express yourself in that is a great example of that. 100%. Yeah. And I think, and that was sort of the crux of having to think about food in a different way. Not that I necessarily ate in this fashion when I was eating meat, but a lot of typical Western meals are like separate components. Obviously, you you know, you put them together, but like meat, carb, vegetable. Going vegan, I was, it's not a very exciting way to eat if you just try to eat that way, but vegan. You know, it's a lot of like fake meats and then, you know, the sides, but that's not really a sustainable way to, you know, to feel nourished when you are taking out meat. So I was experimenting with just a lot of different cuisines that weren't those separate components. They were bowls and East Asian dishes or yeah, quinoa bowls and soups and stews and and things that were more ingredient heavy, but cohesive. Yeah, that is a cool point. And how there's things in many vegan cuisines like legumes that have a combination of all the macronutrients and stuff like that. So it's not as easy to just put them into those separate categories that often show up in a standard American diet or something like that. You're kind of getting a little bit of everything in like every whole food that you eat if you're eating mostly whole foods. And so it makes all Mm -hmm. these kind of rich combinations. Yeah. The other thing that was quite fun was trying to recreate making the uh, cauliflower, like a buffalo cauliflower 
uh, sandwich or like buffalo cauliflower oh, wings. Yeah. You know, you're trying to achieve this specific flavor profile texture. It's just fun to have to just think of. Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm not really thinking outside the box because I was using a recipe. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you're you're trying to recreate it. An experience that you had with totally different ingredients, right? If you're sort of taking chicken wings as the template, mm-hmm. you're using completely different ingredients to arrive to a similar place, a similar, you know, mouth sensation or taste experience. So yeah, it's just fun. It's fun to it's I guess it's sort of like writing, like learning a bunch of music theory and then going back and writing a song in C major and trying to make it (laughs) exciting. Yeah, I was going to try so hard to shoehorn a musical metaphor in there. So I'm so glad that you did it for me. Thank you. (laughs) I guess now that we've successfully handled that, the thing that I would want to close with music wise is if I listen through that EP now. Mm-hmm. If I had to sum it up in one word, kind of how I would perceive what you've created here, I would call it minimalist. And the reason why is oh. because I feel like there are so few individual parts in each song at any given time. Like sometimes it is just your voice and the piano and a couple of percussion things. And like the voice and the piano are doing all the harmonic work and then it'll shift to a new section. There'll still only be like two or three things, but yet they do feel complete and loud. And to me, Mm. that's kind of like a minimalist effect because there aren't like a million different things going on at one time. So was that a conscious thing or do you even agree with that? It wasn't a conscious thing at all, really. But I I take that as a huge compliment, (laughs) to be (laughs) honest. Maybe more as an aesthetic pursuit, I, you know, go towards minimalism in terms of like lifestyle and decor and aesthetic. (laughs) So I haven't really thought about how or if it shows up in my music. So I do actually take that as a huge compliment. I would hope that the listener doesn't feel like they're are missing pieces that the space whether that's literally space between notes or space between like registers or instruments is still satisfying i guess or is still effective yeah i wouldn't want the songs to feel empty or lacking or missing but i think that maintaining room and space for the parts to hold their own and communicate what needs to be communicated is really valuable and and also feeling the urge to overcomplicate something just because you want it to be more interesting or you want it to have some type of cachet. I think I got lost in that, you know, feeling sort of insecure as a songwriter because of my jazz training. And while I think that that's really valuable, I think that sometimes you lose the genuineness that can come out of a really simple melody or a simple arrangement. And sometimes that just speaks for itself. With this project too, it was so personal and so specific to what I was going through. I didn't want it to be shrouded. Yeah. Well, I think totally mission accomplished in that regard. For me, the combination of the minimal arrangements and the vulnerable material, it just comes across really well. It It just hits and it comes across as a brave statement in that way because you really open it up and you really deliver kind of your feelings so straightforwardly given how minimalist everything came across to me. I really enjoyed listening to it. I know now how much new stuff you have coming up. So I'm excited to hear that too. And it was really awesome to meet you. So I'm looking forward to hearing more from you in 2022. Thanks for taking the time to come chat. Thanks, Will. It was a pleasure. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the show yet, make sure you do and tell your friends who might enjoy listening too. Link them to our website, rhythmchanges.ca, Facebook at Chernoff Music, or Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm Changes BC. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a Chernoff Music production. See show notes for full production credits. Copyright 2022, Chernoff Music.